Hey, it's Tyler Esselman. And it's Michael Osinski. And you are listening to This One Goes to Eleven. The podcast where we invite someone to share an album with us that they believe is perfect. So perfect, in fact, Michael, that 10 out of 10 just isn't good enough. And today we've got some bonus footage for you. This week, uh, Tyler got to nominate a second album to the Pantheon, Wilco's A Ghost is Born. Uh, And we had such a great time talking with Evan Soddy that we just kept on talking and we kept on recording. So uh, if you really dug the conversation, if you really dig Wilco, if you really dig A Ghost is Born, we got a treat for you. Ain't that right, Tyler? That's right. Let him have it. All right, cool. Do you, Evan, you got time to keep talking a little bit? Some bonus No, footage? I absolutely do. A little, yes. little bonus <laughs> for your mental health, in it. All right, so I, we, we've never, health. we've never, I just, this is my way of trying to find ways for us to keep talking. Because often, Generate more when, shit, when, yeah, yeah, when we stop, we stop recording and then we start talking to someone. Right. And then suddenly it's like, oh, why weren't we still recording? Because these next like 15 minutes would have been great extra yeah. stuff. So, yeah. That's why the stuff you wanted to talk about too that we haven't we didn't even bring up in the episode absolutely yeah. well i mean that's also why when whenever we have the happy hour minisode for chartographers it was always you know i open up with the question of what is the worst song by a particular artist because that's mm. always a good discussion starter before we start jumping oh, up. Shit, i wouldn't dude. i wouldn't necessarily do that to you with wilco because uh and this is one of those fans where their discography is so huge that it feels yeah. almost unfair to kind of ask something like that. But you know, well, I will say if that you my really I want think, to answer it, you could. I'm not going to put that on you. I thought of, I mean, I've thought about it actually because, like, I I thought about what the biggest clunker in their body of work kicking was, up. and uh, and kicking um, television. <laughs> well, kicking television is 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 a kind of a clunker, just mostly in the context of this album, I think. But in terms of an album itself. I know we said, I know your question was the worst song, but the one I feel least connected to is probably the self-titled. I don't know why. And I think the self-titled song on the self-titled album, like album. Wilco, the song is pretty good. Yeah. But that album, it just never quite clicks for it, me or it hasn't it yet. Cold. Yeah. Is it really, cold. is it really self-titled or is it technically called Wilco? Wilco, the album. The album. Well, yeah, I think it might be called Wilco, the and album, getting, but you know, yeah. technically, yeah. Semantically, semantically, I think that is the joke that is at play. Is that there's a Wilco the album that has a Wilco the song, right? Something I noticed listening to this album a lot uh, this week. I also sort of started to go back and then go forward. I tried to listen to the album surrounding it to sort of see where mm-hmm. it sits and definitely that I mean, context. Yeah, I mean every Wilco album sounds a little bit different. I mean, like I yeah. will say that there's not you know it's not like it's not like oh this sounds exactly like the previous one. There is something different with each one. But something that struck me about this album is this album is hard to listen to on a car stereo this feels very much like a mm. headphones album if only mm-hmm. because of the like it gets really quiet sometimes did either of you really quiet then really loud yeah 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 yeah, yeah. well i think I, that is I agree with that and i think that's especially true uh with the opener song at least that's what you said because it is a whisper of a song i also feel like we didn't even talk about that or hell is prone for the for the record too and i feel i feel we didn't that those are good songs yeah exactly and then of course we get into spider's kid smoke which is the the kraut rock 10 minute jam which i quite frankly can't get enough of i I like it i i love it so much i think it is of the extended songs on the record definitely hits hits the spot but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised we didn't bring it up because at least that's what you said does feel like it. There is that the quiet, the hush, the personal, followed by just the sinewy, fiery guitar lines on there. Yeah. Like, again, it establishes the identity of what the record is right out the gate. And I feel like 
people didn't really fuck with it because it was essentially not Yankee Hotel Foxtrot 2. And I feel like there is, Mm -hmm. you see that sentiment a lot. uh, Yeah. Responses to it. You know, I, I also think that bless Nels Klein, but, but, I, I I think I think Jeff doesn't get enough credit for the the quality of the guitar, even if it's messy on this album. Like it's really good. Like he Nels is Nels is a quote unquote better guitar player than he is on kind of like a grand level. But and I think Jeff would probably agree with that if if it was put to him. But he really is fucking in, in, like really good. And side with the seeds on sky blue sky blue sky is an opportunity for both of them to kind of duel in a way where you're like. Jeff could hold his own with Nels any day. Right. You know, I think you, it says more about the like state of mind probably that he was and that he moves towards those kind of prefab, not, you know, not prefab, but those prefab solos moving forward more as opposed to the just quite kind of like free, you know, freestyle. It, it's, it's, they're much more like structured um, after this album. So this is something you don't get. This is a, a guitar presence you don't get on any other Wilco album. With that said, um, I need to ask you a very personal question, Tyler. Yeah, do it. I'm ready. When was the last time you read the Pitchfork review of A Ghost is Born? (laughs) This week. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, well, it's not as bad as the one from The Village Voice, isn't it? It's oh, the... I'm not sure if I even saw. I mean, I was mainly uh, the fact that they uh, talk like admonish him for reveling in guitar solos, and then yeah. uh, have yeah. this like, and then of course my favorite sentence: three shut up and play guitar solo sections come in songs so sleepy and hazy that they practically invite idle speculation about Tweedy's prehab pill regimen. Like, <laughs> it's fuck off. It's brutal. That is like man. one of yeah. the worst yeah. things I've ever read. Exactly. It's but really, me, really bad. Tell me about the village voice one. Oh, he's the one that said that it was um it was self-indulgent and privileged. Robert, what's his name? Robert Christgau. Chris Gow, yeah. And he's Ooh. an asshole. He's an asshole. I mean, in general. he is an asshole, yes. Yeah, well, you know, you know, whatever. You know, he's he's worked worked very hard for many decades. Mm-hmm. And 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 but that he was also the one that hated on Radiohead, I think, a lot. Um back back in the day, if I'm not mistaken, right? Right, Michael? I don't know about Radiohead as much. I know uh he hated on Pearl Jam quite a bit. Did he? Okay. Yeah. So, so and R- REM too. He hated REM. It's just, <laughs> talk about contrarian in in some ways, but you know, I I think this speaks to this speaks to that following I talked about. People love Wilco. Like the, it's it's one of those things. Their their following is crazy big. They just had a festival down in Mexico. Yeah. And it, yearly. And it's, yeah. It, it's it's weird. It's weird to think that they're the kind of band that does that. But also, I think they just like invite positivity invite positivity to their shows in a powerful way and and that guy you know besides the the truly bad you know the truly poor you know poor taste comments from that um from that review in pitchfork he does mention their chicago-ness that it is a very chicago album which i do do think continues to be continues to be a strength (laughs) of their work um i mean and i that, think a lot of their albums are chicago yeah. albums by oh, their God, very yeah. definition yeah no i yeah. mean for me i yankee hotel foxtrot sounds more like chicago than anything to me but then when i think back on it i i the first time i lived in chicago was when i got that album and so yeah. i was listening to that on my disc man like mm-hmm. all over like as i you know walked all over chicago so of course that's the album that reminds me of chicago the most but mm-hmm. what well then wait then what is it like why why did they sound like chicago to us 
I mean, outside of the fact that when I first moved, when you see, when you have mm-hmm. the record cover of Yankee Hood of Apostle, like, oh, that's the cover, yeah. and you see it's that. When you're towers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's that to it as well. And it's not, the thing is that, like, being Chicago isn't just simply referencing Chicago. It is, I do feel like there is just the degree of disaffected, bored, white suburban kids trying to find art beyond the means yeah. of what their mm-hmm. town provides them. And landing and in I, Chicago. Exactly. I mean, truly. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in fucking Salt Lake City, Utah, where basically you kind of have to make your own way and find your own art that way, because there is not a lot to do unless you really love PG-13 movies. You know, like there's there's only so much that you can actually go there. And so that's why like the people I know who have escaped out of Utah uh, typically tend to be, you know, have gone on to, you know, great artistic successes or just lived in far more interesting places because that's kind of forced upon you. Gorgeous place to live, but the culture there was suffocate you and i feel like again chicago by itself there are so many you know middle class white suburbs there that there's just the bored kids that come out and eventually want to try and make something more out of what they're trying Mm -hmm. to do and i feel like that is kind of emblem of the uh wilco spirit of there is that it is again like experimental but accessible at the same time not a lot of bands are able to walk that fine line because you have a group you know artists like uh yes tumor who are mm-hmm. like, you know, lean a little bit more on experimental than accessible, but they still have their audience that way. So I feel like that is a thing. Again, when I when I think of the people who would listen to a Wilco album, I think of Chicago people for the most part. Like I yeah. feel like Alfred, I can't articulate it any better than that. It just feels like that is the, the group or at least the spirit it invokes in their music. You know, there's hardly any sex in their music either. I would agree. You know, isn't that isn't that interesting? Hmm. And they're very they're very they're not very violent you know there isn't an anger there isn't an anger or an aggression to them very much um so those sorts of being able to sort of like get some fire get some juice behind your music when it doesn't when it doesn't really have a strong sex drive or a strong drive of anger you know whether that be righteous indignation or you know some other kind of some other kind of anger um is fascinating that they're able to do that um and they're just kind of they're not sexy you know, that's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an emotional Sex shaming in- Tyler Esselman over here. <laughs> you know, well, they're not sexy in the way that I don't think I'm sexy, you know, like that's <laughs> like, it's like, you're some freaking, you're, you, you know, like living in the balance of the sexuality of the world that we, especially in music, you know, like it's such a thing that, that is, is run, th- you know, run through the history of music is our expressions of sexual desire and stuff like that. And, and it doesn't really come into Wilco's music in a, in a fascinating way though I do think they have they're very opinionated right they're not without yes. opinion mm-hmm. they stand on they stand in their principles and that's another thing I respect about them they're not it's hard to use when we use the term rock star I feel mm-hmm. like there's certain connotations to that and with the you know traditional connotations we have with rock star I wouldn't necessarily consider Jeff Tweedy to be one even no. though even though he is you know arguably like a a significant figure in american rock music uh i also this is hilarious i listened to uh pitchfork review just an interview with uh with jeff tweedy Mm -hmm. and the interviewer talk about irony the interviewer started asked jeff tweedy something about like how he feels about music snobbery (laughs) and i was like uh are 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 we are we aware of what's going on here (laughs) like well well, the The podcast was called pot calling kettle so yeah Yeah. Uh, people say that's what the late greats is right is them saying is 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 that the late great i think they it's in the pitchfork review is a little bit of 
Um, he says the late greats is clearly just that thing where you say the obscure equals good and popular equals bad. And it's not that simple with no, him either. Yeah. No, the dude was on parks and recreation for God's sake. You know, like there's <laughs> like there is, I think this, there is this, he's participating in all the avenues, the commercial avenues of music still, you know, maybe in his younger years, he was maybe a little bit more anti-establishment or something like that. But, but you see him now as an old, as like a middle-aged guy where him and the band are, they do stuff for big audiences. They, they play big venues. They have a freaking festival in Mexico. They do stuff that like normal people do. It's not, there's not that self-consciousness, that self-conscious coolness or, um, you know, or fuck you about their music. And right. they they toured with Slater Kenny too. I just want to put that out there. Yeah, there you go. Put, put that taste. out there. The yeah. mo- I mean, the most the most indulgent thing Jeff Tweedy has done with his career is trying to give his son a career. Let's be real. Like, that's... <laughs> Both of them. Both yeah. of them apparently. Which yeah, honestly, and... some of those Tweedy songs are kind of good. Yeah, like yeah. that's the thing. Like it's it's all right. It's enjoyable. Yeah. There's a far worse things you could be indulging on. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that Spencer Tweedy like kind of carves a carves a path for himself. That'd be cool. Right. That'd be cool to think, see him get involved in some weird stuff. Yeah. And I think at, over time, I think he will get weirder and wilder. And I think that'll be, that'll be fantastic. So. But he's a drummer, right? Isn't that what it, he's a, isn't Spencer Tweedy well, they, a drummer? I, yeah. I, he's a drummer, but I, they did the whole, I think it was a double album together, just him and his, yeah. you know, him and his dad. And, you know, of course he's going to put it out because he's his dad. He wants everyone to, you know, it, 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 he's Why the not? blue ivy of indie rock is how I would describe it. So, you know, it's truly <laughs> the blue ivy of indie, indie rock equals yeah. Spencer Tweedy. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe Spencer and uh, Noah York should do a collaboration and then we can bring hey. Wilco and Radiohead together. How old is Noah York? All uh bleh. he's gotta be like 20 maybe early 20s i know that i mean uh, when did hail to the thief come out 2003 so that was there's the song on there to his son no wait no he's... 2004 2000 hail to the thief came out in 2004 i believe that's the he one doesn't... i always i always forget that one because yeah well yeah it's another conversation um but uh it, <laughs> it opens with there there what's your goddamn problem no, no it, it doesn't, doesn't open with there there it opens with right, uh, it's in the album. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> no actually the opening of hail to the thief i, I love two plus three plus five i actually love the first like three or four songs and then yeah and then it kind of goes like and then there there picks up and then the last half is just sort of messy Dude, there's I... a great by the way there's a great um he has a great uh jeff tweedy has a great newsletter it's called like the spaceship, spaceship something. Um, you can find it on his website and it's fun. Oh. It's behind, most of it's behind a paywall, but every now and then you'll get like, he'll record, he just recorded a cover of um, an album from Mitski's new, or not an album, a song from Mitski's new album. Ooh. Um, and it's really good. And oh. I, I highly recommend people check that out. Hmm. Would you recommend any of the Jeff Tweedy solo albums? I do. Uh, pretty okay. much all of them, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the acoustic one is really good. Well, is that um, warm? Yeah. Okay. And there's a great acoustic version of Via Chicago on one of his um on one of his um solo albums. There was a song he he had a cover that I oh oh okay. He has a great version of Dylan's Simple Twist of Fate mm. that's on the I'm Not There soundtrack. I have heard that, yes. It's really good. And mm. Blood in the Tracks is one of the best Dylan albums in my opinion. So totally, totally should um uh, should check that one out. He does good covers because he does them in his own voice. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 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 not recreating the song. And I, God, you know how I love that in a cover. It is well, it is well documented how I love that in a cover. 
<laughs> have you, uh, Evan, have you done a Chartographers episode about Wilco yet? We've had a lot of people ask, and we have yet to. We have yet hmm. to. We have yet to do. Yet to do it. I think you know when we finally do get around to doing a new season. I think we want to try and do hmm. the thing we always do. We like doing it live in studio. I think that's right. the one thing that really we try and uh, do. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that Michael, next time you visit, you know, obviously we'll try and get something together. Maybe something Slatery. I like I that. Know. I like or, that a or lot. Or something Pearl Jammy, perhaps. You haven't done Pearl Jam yet. We we have not done Pearl Jam, and uh, I think uh, when I uh, when I reviewed the Lightning album by. Uh, by Pearl Jam, I think I had some controversial opinions in there, but uh, really? it's, was... I mean, they, it's, I, I could draw you a graph uh, of the success <laughs> of Pearl Jam albums. And for the past few years, it is a downward slope. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So just try too hard, you know, like I, if yeah. it's there, or so you it, just like have that impulse and it's just not clicking that kind of thing. As soon as Eddie had a ukulele, it was over. You shut your mouth, <laughs> shut your mouth. Harsh words. <laughs> Harsh okay. words. Should, should he have made a whole album of ukulele songs? No, maybe not. But maybe he's not. Eddie freaking better, Evan. Like he can. Who do else was what on that wants. one? There was somebody else on that album. Corin Tucker there? makes an appearance. On, well, I don't know if, if it's on that album or. Oh yeah, I think it is on that album. She makes yeah. an appearance. She also. Um, oh, what's the song she appears on from the Into the Was it Into the Wild that was called the movie? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the soundtrack. Hard, for that. hard yeah. Sun. The song Hard Sun. Oh, that's with, a good with song. Him and Corin Tucker singing together. I mean, like just like Divide. yeah yeah but no, oh the, glenn hansard you know how i love glenn hansard he's yeah. on that ukulele i, I love glenn hansard i think pearl jam's <laughs> trying too hard now i think they're just they're just i don't know they're an album they're, a band they're that, elder statesmen at this point yeah. yeah yeah and they're a band that was fueled by anger initially ang- anger and angst and like the fuel is running dry so it's it's there, there's some there's like two or three high points on lightning bolt um but i think that i mean like not to give away too much about what we're going to be talking about next week, but uh, the I will say that the um, Pearl Jam was never a grunge band. They were always a classic okay. rock. They were always a classic rock band who okay. came out of Seattle and was masquerading as a grunge band because they sort of fit with the the zeitgeist. But they are uh, not. A, they are not a grunge band. I don't hate that take. But that's all I'm going to say because I don't want to give. Yeah, away don't say more. Don't yeah, say yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say more. Yeah, only Patreon subscribers can get the real. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no, only fans, Evan. Only fans. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we're you know skipping this, the but... Patreon industrial complex yeah. and going straight for OF. Yeah, we're creating like AI-based like sex scenes with our favorite bands. <laughs> God, oh my God, no! <laughs> I know. I was I was worried that you guys were going to be too commercial, but now you got the T-shirts. Now yep. you're on the Apple Music, and I heard that I I we forgot to do the plug here let's do the plug right now hey are you looking for your own handshake drugs do you need taxi cabs driving you around make sure you enter 11 z's on your checkout at uber and see what kind of <laughs> discount that gets you thanks to your friends at Evan. <laughs> okay we've been looking for a marketing manager and i feel like you might be our guy you might, it might be, be insane marketing ploys but i'll do god that. yeah let's get let's get crazy like eric andre this shit you know like oh really man on the street freaking just do whatever burn it down burn it to the ground just to get a few more ears just to get it plugged into a few more ears I mean, you're on season six. That's that. That ain't not nothing. Yeah, we're 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 getting yeah. to the we're getting to the elder state. We're getting to the elder statesman phase of our podcast. <laughs> no, but but no, but we're no, series six. We're series six. Series six. Yeah, series six. Yeah. Series six. yeah. Uh, Tyler, is there anything you didn't say in the episode? Or didn't get to mention that you sort of wish you'd brought up about the band or the album? 
Uh, it's just fun that at the same night that I was at the Ace Hotel in LA seeing Wilco, Nick Offerman and the author George Saunders were standing stage side um, at the at the show. And then the next night I went to see them speak. And George Saunders is one of my favorite um, uh, authors by far, or one of my favorite right now. And and if you don't know him, you you should. But they were speaking, and and it was it was fun to hear them talk about their experience of seeing the show. And it's just a little validation. You're like, hey, they like good shit too. Yeah, I love yeah. that. <laughs> At least that's what they said. Yeah. At least that's uh... what they said. <laughs> is there a song you haven't brought in, Evan? Another song you haven't uh, managed to work in? What song we we got left here? Um, I we, this and this might be uh, slightly controversial. I the one that I don't love on this record. If I'm being mm. fully honest, I never connected with company in my back. No, I, I don't know no. what it is about it. I just was never, it's just something about, I think the, the stop start nature of it, of at least that intro, I just was never connected with the way that I did a lot of the other things, even lyrically on this. Sure. Album. So sure. that's just, that's probably my hottest take towards it, but I mm. don't, I don't disagree with our qualification of adding it to the Pantheon. Just that was my own. Uh, it's opaque. It's an yeah. opaque song. Like mm-hmm. there's some, there's a, there's a, there's guts to it, but um emotionally it's a little opaque i think yeah i, mean, he I wasn't listening to his eyes yeah mentions puking in the song too which is always <laughs> you know it's a little weird holy shit baby. yeah well, and it's, it's fun when in the lyrics they have an exclamation point next to holy shit and right. i'm like i never imagined that <laughs> i never imagined that being exclaimed i was kind of more like holy shit there's a comma you know, like, yeah yeah holy shit comma it's kind of how it felt. well tyler you read you read his books right i've read um we should go so we should get back so we can get okay. back um, and I still need to read his other ones, but the, the um, his first, I also listened to the audiobook of it and he narrates it himself. And it was really fun to um, hear that. Hmm. Well, cause the trivia point that Michael brought up earlier about uh, there being Noah's Ark is that I guess there was the idea that he was obviously putting himself onto here so that should he pass at any point mm-hmm. since he was in the throes of addiction and headaches and migraines and all that stuff. Yeah. And he was really worried about his stature and where things were. Uh, he wanted his kids to basically be able to emotionally reconstruct him, you know, all ship of yeah. style. Uh, but I think, and so that's why there yeah. were a lot of, you know, animal based songs. You have spiders, you have hummingbirds, you have the track Panthers, which didn't, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, ended up on the bonus track. And I guess, according to my friend, who's a huge Wilco head, several other animal based songs that didn't actually make the cut or have hmm. yet to be heard that are somehow in the Wilco mm. vault altogether. Love and I was that. just wondering, just because I feel like we had the document, we had the documentary about the making of Yankee Hotel Foxtrot pretty elaborately, the falling out with band members, the tension yeah. that was there. Just, I, I wasn't sure if you would have felt bold enough to armchair psychiatrist the journey that Jeff went into this album here and yeah. like why they felt they needed to be as different, as abrasive, as whatnot going on. Because dealing with all of this, I, I he did do a rehab stint prior to recording this or right after, I feel. It like. was right, he checked it in right, right after, after. Yeah. right after, right after yeah. they finished. The album was in the can and they were, they were, they were touring actually before the album was done, I think. Mm-hmm. And then he went into rehab in Chicago. And then I believe that was kind of, I, I'm not sure if Pat and um, um, Nels got hired before or after rehab. It seems like kind of slightly before. So then everything was kind of in a holding pattern until until he got out. Okay, so what I'll say is that in that book, in that, um, in uh, We Should Go So We Can Get Back, um, he talked very extensively about, you know, about the experience of going to rehab and kind of like what it meant for this album. And 
it's it's a hundred percent worth reading because um he's he's funny and he he's a wonderful writer in general. Um, but it's just it's that that moment that moment I talked about where his his person you know the the guy that was in rehab with him in his group when he says that thing about pain you know no pain being more or less valuable than anybody else's pain that's like that's his that sticks with me every day and it's and it really is when you have that when I have that rolling around in my head that that idea of him experiencing that kind of realization at that time and listen to this album I I I closely associate um, that so. So I, th- I think it's really again. I don't think the album is 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 perfect because of it, but I think it's an indispensable part of what contributes to the quality and the stakes of the album. One one thing I discovered uh, in my research uh, was just his. Someone asked him what the album was about, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he said he could he could sum it all up uh, with one lyric, uh, yeah. which was "I'm a cherry ghost." I'm a cherry uh, ghost from which I believe is also from theologians. Uh, mm-hmm. And he said specifically, it's still fun to sing in a strange way every night. I really get excited singing that line. I have no idea what it means, but every night when I sing it, I feel refreshed, invigorated. Yeah. So him, that's, that's, that's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. We're approaching it like that. What a, what to, to live with that kind of energy and to perform and share with that kind of energy is, is that's goals, baby. As the kids would say. <laughs> That's hashtag goals. Well, and if you're going to be in a band for this long, you really have to still find the fun in it. You still have to find the joy in Mm -hmm. it to you. And that's like, I'm, I'm working on a liner notes thing right now for uh, 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 the re-release of uh, Grizzly Bears debut album. Uh, it's, it's due in two weeks. I, I, so I have to finish it tomorrow. Uh, awesome, but essentially, it's, there's a remix album that they did for the debut album. And so I'm just interviewing all the people that were associated with it. And it's interesting, too, because I think about when you read the interviews with Ed Drost of Grizzly Bear and how mm-hmm. not fun his life with the band was, how they made so little money, how he was vocal about how little money they made. And now he's just a full-time site, you know, uh yeah. psychi- psychiatrist here mm-hmm. in here in Los Angeles like that's yeah. he's just that's how he's retired to because if you can't find the fun in what you're doing especially if you've been at it for that long that's rough like it is a paycheck gig if you want it to be but like yeah. to have that joy to give to continually rediscovering that joy in performing and then being away from your family and doing all that other stuff like it's it's a lot when that's your profession truly and so like the fact that he's able to not only do all these things but then use the avenues that celebrity has to put out these books to do these other things on top yeah, man. of just being a you know regular rock star like that's that's it's hard but it's beautiful and i think that's part of the reason part of the reason they adore is because of that immense relatability because he's also i feel like he's one of the most knowable rock stars i really feel like you don't have to guess as to where his intentions are you don't have to guess what his motivations are like he because if you ask him he will tell you you know totally. like i think that's which i think is really beautiful but yeah I couldn't agree more. And you to bring it back, to bring it back to the beginning of that 60 second intro when you said middle-aged white dad rock, right? It is <laughs> suburban, suburban. Suburban, yeah, yeah. suburban yes. middle-aged white dad rock. It is it is that in a good way. You know, like there is this is the this is the version of that that isn't couched in anger. This is the version of that that isn't couched in in like toxic masculinity or anything like that this is the version this is the version of suburban white dad rock that's like open-minded and 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 kind and and considerate and loving and fucked up you know like not not perfect (laughs) not perfect but it is um it's the kind of it's the kind of suburban white uh you know white dad that i will hope to be (laughs) i guess what i'm saying (laughs) 
You said it's the tag for the episode, by the way. Yeah, yeah. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Evan, thanks so much. It? Yeah, thanks so much for for guest hosting. Of course, uh, you're the Lola. best man. If I'm ever out in LA, uh, I will give you a heads up so that I can oh, yes. join you in the days. studio. <laughs> and I'm back now. I'm back now. So we'll 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 make a date, Evan. Oh, that sounds great. Fantastic. I'm cool. so excited. Thank you again. Thank you for so much for trusting me too. Like it's not oh my easy God. to hand over those some of those duties there, but I appreciate it. And I appreciate you, Michael, for putting it all together as always and being so quick and articulate and helpful throughout the whole way through. So yeah. Well, no problem. I will project manage anything you need me to. <laughs> <laughs> you make it easy. New you career, perhaps? Easy. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> of course. Okay, I'm gonna stop recording now. Uh,